Welcome to the Catholic Single Mothers Podcast. We're a vibrant faith-based community called Momentum for Single Mothers. During our time together, we'll hear stories and messages of hope. If you're a single mother and want to learn more about our retreats, meetings, and activities, please visit MomentumMothers.org. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Momentum Podcast. I'm Claire. I'm a co-founder of Momentum and on the leadership team, and I'm happy to welcome Father Rob Alford from Stella Maris Parish in Halifax, who's with us today. So welcome. Thank you, Claire. It's a real pleasure to be here with you today. Um, I'm the pastor of um, Stella Maris Parish in Halifax, and uh, I've been the pastor here for two years Um, Part of the reason why I think um, Momentum is a natural fit for me, and I'm honored uh, to be um, supporting Momentum in some spiritual role as uh, as chaplain, Uh, Claire, the reason why um, I think it resonates with me so much is I'm, I'm the pastor of a parish that 45 years ago in the geography that is Stella Maris Parish, 45 years ago, there were seven Catholic churches here. And about 25 years ago, that was reduced to four. And um, um, a few years ago, three years ago, it, would re- it was reduced to one. And so um, in the midst of what may on the outside, well, what in reality is a shrinking Catholic presence, in this um, territory that we call Stella Maris Parish. There is so much hurt and pain and anger and frustration by so many people who are angry that their church is closed or, or the very many myriad of emotions that people can have around this. So at the end of it, as a new, par- as a new pastor in this parish, uh, I just repeatedly try to remind people of their God-given identity as beloved. And so that seems to be the focus of my pastoral ministry in this parish. And uh, for that very reason, it complements the, the ministry of momentum so well, because I simply want to say to um, everyone I meet, uh, you're a beloved child of God. That's the beginning, the middle, and the end of the spiritual journey. That's really beautiful, and it's uh, it's so important for us to remember. When we um, first started meeting in person in Montreal with Momentum, we started with uh, uh, Henry Nouwen, who's one of my favorite authors, and he has a book, um, um, "Beloved: Life of the Beloved," and um, he talks all about how we're not what we do, we're not what we have, and we're not what other people think we are. We're beloved children of God. And if we can be really sure of that true identity, then everything else falls into place. And I think uh, that is one of the things a lot of us struggle with is just really believing that we're loved just because of who we are and not because of anything we've done or anything we have. And so uh, I think your, your comments are just so aligned with a lot of what we're trying to do at Momentum to remind people of how much God loves them and, and that he's created them to love them. So today we really wanted to, to dig in and talk a little bit about healing and forgiveness and uh, how difficult it can be for us sometimes to, to even forgive ourselves. 
and how sometimes uh, shame can be one of those things that, that can be a block to receiving healing uh, from God. So do you have any initial thoughts uh, um, on this topic? Every time I think of the word forgiveness, the memory that comes to my mind, I want to set a scene for you. When I was in my ninth grade, my bus stop was near my maternal grandmother's house. And so um, at the tender age of 14 years of age, I would stop by my grandmother's house just about every day after school. And uh, she took it as an opportunity. She showed love to all of her grandchildren, all of her children. But I remember the many conversations that I had with my grandmother in her kitchen after school. And one question she asked me on one particular day was, Robbie, she's the only one who called me Robbie, (laughs) Um, what's the most important word in the Bible? And so I thought, I don't know, love, peace, charity, grace, I don't know, I don't know, what's the most important word in the Bible? And she said forgiveness. Forgiveness, in her opinion, was the most important word in the Bible because everything flows out of a place of forgiveness. And in our tradition where we worship a God who went to the cross for us to forgive us, we, this God who is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, we have to walk this same route of forgiveness, the radical nature of forgiveness, and we need to learn to be gentle and slow to anger with ourselves as well, because we can't offer anything that we don't have that we can freely give. So if we don't have joy, don't expect to radiate joy. If we don't have forgiveness, don't expect to be able to offer forgiveness at least very easily. So. Um, Forgiveness reminds me of my dear grandmother, so thanks for asking that question. And I think it's tied into shame. I confront so much shame in my uh, day-to-day life as a priest in the church that I, uh, I like to tease out, first off, the difference between guilt and shame. Uh, there's an important distinction between guilt and shame that I think is so foundational for the Christian spiritual life because our true identity needs to be grounded in the truth, not in a a lie, uh, not in falsehood. So I've known you now for maybe 10 years. If I were to say something to you that... um, was rude, um, I should feel guilty because it, it, I know I dishonored you by that rude statement that I made, so I should feel guilty. So guilt is not always bad. Guilt presupposes um, a well enough formed conscience uh, who desires Um, all that is good for you, Um, and if that relationship is betrayed by me being rude, I should should feel guilty, and I should uh, apologize to you. So that's guilt. So what guilt says is basically what I did was bad, and I 
need to apologize. Shame is totally different. Shame is so attached to our core identity that in that same scenario that I just said of having known you for about 10 years and if I said something wrong, shame would um, probably bring up a response in me that is, you know what, Claire doesn't like me anyway because really I'm not a very nice guy and I'm, uh, I'm not really lovable anyway, so I'm going to back away from this, um, this wonderful relationship that I have with you and your extended family who I know and love. I'm going to back away because I'm really not a nice person. So guilt, the language of guilt is what I did was bad and I need to make amends. The language of shame is importantly different in that it is, I am bad, I am wrong, I am lovable, unlovable, sorry. Um, so when people come with a sense of feeling guilty about treating someone poorly, um, that's good. That's, that's, that's good. That's, that's a way of learning and growing emotionally and spiritually. When people come with the language of shame, this is something that needs to be dug into because shame is like if I could use the metaphor of an orchestra. Shame is the maestro, and we have no idea how our actions are being controlled by shame, by an identity of shame, um, which is causing us to do all sorts of things that are unhealthy and ultimately just spiraling us deeper into a pit of shame rather than the freedom of the mountaintop. So I guess um, what you're saying is the, the guilt is really a positive um, feeling that can help us and guide us when we need to correct something we've done that was wrong or hurtful. But shame is really something that's uh, threatening our identity and making it difficult for us to have healthy relationships with our family, our friends, our, our children, our spouses. And it's just making it difficult to, to live our true identity because we've almost wounded that identity with this, this idea that we're not good enough and not lovable and, and makes it uh, difficult to live um, and live in relationship with those around us. Um, if we have an identity that's based on shame, we think, no, 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 God is, God is not going to forgive me. I'm too broken. I'm too bad. My mistakes are too grievous. I can't, I can't, God's not going to forgive me. I'm, I'm too broken for this. Well, that's a lie because it's an identity built on shame, not out of your true identity as beloved, an identity that is quickly restored through the healthy impulse to say, I'm sorry, I know what I did was wrong, and I apologize. And of course, God is going to say, it's okay, I know you messed up, I love you. Come on back. Let me, let me just, uh, let me show you the beautiful truth about me and about you so that you can take this as an opportunity to walk a little more freely in who you are created to be. Yeah, and I, I think um, oftentimes we get those voices in our head, right, that the, the lies keep affirming themselves, and we keep hearing that, I'm not good enough, I didn't do that well, 
nobody wants to go out for dinner with me anyway. I might as well just stay home. And uh, I wonder if you would, would have some advice of how people can can sort of turn off that that voice and really hear the voice of God, their beloved, you know, that, that really created them as who they are. So are there things people can do to to um, combat and overcome that shame? At some point, we if we use the black and white metaphor of light and darkness or a truth and a lie, at some point, I mean, life is in the gray area. Don't, I'm, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to set up a dualism here. Um, but at some point, we have to acknowledge a lie that is spoken into our life and a truth that is spoken into our life. And the truth of our true identity as beloved needs to be one of the central truths out of which we live. Otherwise, how do we fend off whether we are in grade three and um, a friend starts teasing us? Um, that lie can manifest itself as a lived truth in our life that is going to simply form a shame identity rather than a true identity. So recognizing the truth of our true identity. Now, I, I don't know if this is a true story. It has just come to my mind. But um, I was told once um, by someone who's a pretty learned person. So um, at any rate, I don't know if this is accurate or not, but I'm going to tell the story anyway and, and hope that it is true. I can do some research afterwards and you can cut this part out if it's not uh, accurate. <laughs> um, I was told a story about uh, St. Francis of Assisi when he was called into um, the, 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 the ministry that, that Jesus laid on his life. Um, and his father was pretty opposed to this. And uh, his father wanted Francis to take over the company business. And uh, Francis um, finally had the humble confidence to say, no, Dad, I'm going to go down there because uh, that's where our Lord has called me. So that's what I'm going to do. And he went into the, the um, main area of Assisi and started serving the poor. And Francis's father, I've been told, was so upset with him that in the public square, if he came across his son, he, was, he would yell and say, you know, you're a loser, you betrayed your family, I want nothing to do with you, you're, you're a good for nothing. This had a huge impact on Francis. And so he would have one of his religious brothers um, speak a truth into his life to counteract the lie that his father was speaking into his life. And I was told he would continue to have a brother speak that truth into his life until his identity was well enough formed in the truth that it could handle the lies that others were speaking into him. So it shows the true formation. So let us, my goodness, it would be a good opportunity uh, as a daily discipline to speak uh, a truth from Scripture of our true identity and what God has done for us um, to fend off the lies that we encounter in our day-to-day -day life. So I hear a, a few suggestions there. So learning 
relying on scripture and the truth of scripture and how God is speaking to you through that scripture, but also surrounding yourself by people, friends, family members who affirm you. And it reminds me of um, a retreat I was on several years ago. And I remember um, just feeling this really strong sense of God telling me to affirm people. And you know how sometimes you think, oh, you know, so-and-so looks great today or, or, um, you know, that was really nice what you said to your friend yesterday. And, and sometimes we kind of say, oh, they don't need to hear that. They're fine, you know, and, or maybe we get a bit self-conscious about, about that. And I just remember feeling really intentional about, uh, when I feel that impulse to, to affirm someone, to not hold back and to just really say it out loud and, and repeat it if you have to repeat it. And I think sometimes we're quick to judge and quick to say negative things and correct people, but sometimes we forget to, to really affirm things that have um, stood out for us, you know? And I firmly believe that's God putting that on our heart when we feel that, you know, that that person needs to hear that. And uh, I remember around that same time after the retreat, I had a friend who just came to my mind in prayer in the morning, and I was just thinking about how good a friend they were and how good they were to the people around them. And I wrote this long email just saying, you're such a great friend and you did this last week and every time people are talking about you, they're always talking about how great a friend you are. And and then I met up with them about a month later and it turned out they were just about to have a milestone birthday and they were feeling really down and they were feeling like, oh, you know, has my life been worthwhile? Have I accomplished anything? do I matter? And then my email came in like that same day or week that, that they were having that feeling. So it was just affirming me that, you know, it was God who put that on my heart because that friend needed to hear that, that affirmation. So I guess I would encourage people to, to also, you know, like, um, St. Francis to have those friends who are, you know, telling you and speaking to you the truth, uh, and affirming you, and uh, chasing away those voices that are putting lies in your head. If um, if this wasn't true, and we know it's true through scripture and uh, the teachings and tradition of the church, everything that you have just spoken is true. Um, if it wasn't true, when I worked in prison ministry, I would have had very little to bring into the prison other than my own good intentions because uh, a lot of men and women who I encountered in prison uh, are so embroiled in shame uh, have such low self-esteem and self-loathing that uh, to start to reshape their identity to even plant seeds that maybe, just maybe, they are worth something, and maybe, just maybe, they have some sense of of uh, dignity. Then they, you know, that's where you get to plant little mustard seeds and and to watch them grow. Just last week in my office, I met with a man who's sixty years old, who's um, had a rough go in life, and uh, um, in the hour and a half conversation or so that we had. I listened to a man um, who, through his life experience, uh, he, he doesn't think he's worth anything. And now when his body starts to slow down and the aches and pains really make life an effort, um, he's, he's really, really low. And so um, to 
have an opportunity to tell him that he's worth something, to break open the basics of Christian dignity, which we say right in the baptismal rite. Um, it's a beautiful opportunity to, um, to plant seeds of the abiding truth of the gospel. Yeah, so I, I think um, um, one of the other sort of aspects of healing that has been sort of on my heart recently is uh, I've been um, praying with a book, uh, Be Healed, by Dr. Uh, Bob Schutz. And uh, he talks a lot about healing through the sacraments. So I wonder if you would have, have anything to add uh, just in terms of the sacrament of reconciliation and, and if any of the other sacraments uh, come to mind in terms of forgiveness. Prior to ordination as a priest, I, um, I wasn't all that um, nervous about presiding at the liturgies, presiding at the Mass from a, from a, from a technical perspective. Um, you know, do what's in red and say what's in black and practice enough. Uh, and so I don't want to underscore the, um, the deep sense of like, like what I'm really participating in. It's, it's overwhelmingly beautiful. But I didn't feel, um, I wasn't so apprehensive about presiding at the Mass. I was very apprehensive about hearing confessions because anyone can walk in off the street, as they should, and I would encourage you to do, uh, and they could say anything, and then what do I say? And, you know, I was nervous about hearing confessions. Um, it has become one of the highlights of my priestly ministry. I love hearing confessions. I love it, I love it, I love it. Um, I think, in part... Because my hands are tied by God's mercy, who God wants me to speak words of forgiveness into people's lives who are truly repentant. And so to journey with people like that, it's just a beautiful, it's beauty upon beauty for me. I love hearing confessions. Does that answer your question? Yeah, I think so. And I, I think... Um... I would see how, um, you know, coming full circle in our conversation, how shame can be a barrier to going to confession. And often, you know, having to say things out loud to a priest and you're, you're thinking, what are they going to think of me? And, and to know that you're walking into confession hopeful and, you know, with the mercy of God on your heart and, and able to confer that uh, absolution and bring the Holy Spirit into the whole experience. I think it helps us to know that and to, to remember that, that it's not, uh, it's not a chore, it's not a judgment, it's a, a time of grace. And again, I think chasing away those lies, right? We get into this, uh, oh, I can't tell somebody I did that, or God will never forgive me for that. And if we can, can chase away those lies and really know that God is just waiting for us in the confessional to, to hear us and to to um, you know, allow through you or other priests to offer that absolution and that forgiveness. Whether it is someone who starts out by saying, it has been 50 years since my last confession, or five days since my last confession, um, it's, it's beautiful. Like as scripture says, all of the angels in heaven rejoice 
over one sinner who repents. It's beautiful because it's an opportunity for someone to deepen not only in their true identity, but in the identity of God who is radically forgiving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a beautiful sacrament that I think we uh, we have trouble embracing sometimes. And I guess from a more practical point of view, normally there's confessions before Mass uh, on the weekends, and then people can normally call the parish, right, and make an appointment for confession with you or with their parish priest in their, their own uh, parish. That's right. Um, here in my parish, um, um, I hear confessions an hour and a half um, before Mass starts and um, by appointment. And I would happily expend it. When, when I arrived in the parish, it was uh, confessions were um, um, a half hour before Mass, I think, and then I extended it by another half hour, and I've since extended it by another half hour. In fact, now I'm up to two hours before Mass. And um, some people still prefer um, to, to make appointments. That's totally fine. Any parish priest, any priest, would be happy to hear a confession just about any time um, when it's mutually agreeable for the the person and, and the priest. So yes, if you're uh, if 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 this stirs something in you, just reach out to a priest and go see him to make a confession. It'll be a grace for you and for the priest. Is there um, anything else you'd like to add about um, ways that we can really? Um, latch on to and, and understand our true identity as, as beloved from God? I think I want to uh, emphasize uh, what I've already said. God is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Um, so many people, especially if they're deep down a path of shame, are pretty hard on themselves. So just be compassionate and um, seek out a brother or sister in the faith um, uh, who um, you can have an honest conversation with as, a, as the beginning um, for starting to develop your true identity. But go gently on yourself. Stop beating yourself up and uh, go slowly and, and gently on yourself because God is gentle. I know um, for myself, I had a period of time where I was really struggling and In a time of prayer, I heard uh, God say to me, surround yourself in spiritual things. And it's uh, something I talked a little bit about in my podcast last year that I did. And uh, that's another thing I often tell people, like, you know, read your scripture, pray the rosary. Uh, Instead of, you know, putting on Netflix, maybe go to form.org and watch a movie about a saint or a documentary um, that might be more enriching than, than some of the other media we consume. And uh, I know I've, I've heard the expression, you're, um, you're the average of the five people around you. And, uh, and that includes the, the people you keep company with, uh, you know, on TV and in the news and <laughs> in the books you read. And so I think that's something else I would just remind people, you know, that that uh, we can get such a negative attitude if we consume things around us that are feeding into that negativity, which helps us wallow in the shame. And I think if we surround ourselves in more life-giving spiritual things, then we can more easily see ourselves in that uh, in that light. I entirely agree. Yeah, my uh, my earlier comments were also geared towards someone who is uh, has been away from the faith, um, probably hasn't been to mass, 
or a confession in um, in ages. But when you dip your toe in the water, then you just get to see the vast ocean of grace that is out there. Um, where you know, I would say to someone who initially gets the first bits of um, the truth of their true identity to perhaps at the end of every day um, do an examination of conscience. So you have the opportunity to first off just say a statement of truth over yourself and then acknowledge that you are in the presence of God who is compassionate, who is loving you perfectly. And then, you know, review the day. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you review the day. And forgive yourself for things where uh, you didn't act in the way you wanted. Uh, Thank God for uh, the things that were uh, very positive and and, uh, came from a place of you that elevated your, your, your spirit. Um, these, this is a good discipline to start at the end of every day for a spiritual life. And then there are so many beautiful devotions in the church. You mentioned the rosary, which is uh, one of my favorite, um, when these mysteries of our faith are prayed from the heart, right? We're not just saying the Hail Mary, as beautiful as it is to say the Hail Mary, but we're, we are um, praying with Mary as we contemplate as we consider as we meditate on these great mysteries of the faith um, uh, the, the the third joyful mystery comes to mind of um, the nativity of our lord and uh, i always pray for the grace of detachment when i pray with that ministry thinking of god god could have come into the world any way god chose but he came as a vulnerable infant born into a poor family and was born in a manger So what am I attached to in the world that maybe I need to let go of because it will allow me to attach my identity more closely to Christ rather than to the things of the world? Yeah, so it's beautiful. Um, And as you said, there are so many devotions there that can uh, help us along the spiritual journey. Dip your toe in the water and just allow the ocean of grace to abound. That's wonderful. I, I think we've given uh, people a lot to think about today and, and uh, some good advice of ways that they can work towards overcoming shame. And I really appreciate you being with us today and, and having this conversation. And I would just ask, would you maybe have a final uh, message of hope that, uh, that you could give people who may be struggling at this time with shame? If you're deep in a valley of shame I just want you to speak into your own life that you are lovable you're lovable I want you to know that if you have listened to this um, podcast and uh, you think well I really haven't gone to mass I really am not too interested in going to confession I don't even own a Bible, then maybe the starting point is to just simply speak into your own life. Maybe I'm worth something. Maybe I am lovable. And uh, that is the doorway to freedom because I believe with all of my heart 
then Jesus is going to meet you there and uh, he'll lead you on the way and he'll lead you into scripture and into the church and into this beautiful ocean of grace. That's um, really good advice because I think uh, God does meet us wherever we are when any time that we turn to him, he's going to meet us and minister to us in a in a way that's uh, going to work for us, you know? And uh, I just wonder if maybe we could uh, maybe finish with a prayer. Would that be? Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to. Let us pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, we... We don't understand fully the depths of your mercy. So grant us the grace to receive just one little mustard seed of our true identity. And I allow my heart now, Lord, to open up to receive what you want to speak into my life. Thank you for this word of love. Thank you for calling me beloved. Help me, Lord, to ground my identity in this truth so that I may learn to love you better and to learn to love those around me a little better as well. I thank you for the ability to pray this prayer in your holy name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So thank you again for being with us today. And uh, I really think this podcast is going to touch people and and, uh, they're going to see some hope in uh, ways that they can move forward. Thank you, Claire, and thank you for all you have done that has led to, to uh, momentum being where it is. It is a blessed healing ministry, and I'm honored to be a small part of it. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you, everyone, for joining our podcast today. If you're a single mother and would like to know more information about Momentum, please visit our website at MomentumMothers.org. God bless, and see you next time on the Catholic Single Mothers podcast.